This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, indeed. Hour number three on this Friday, a football Friday, 2022, week one edition. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Taking in for another 60, then Anita comes by with a weekend wager. All your betting needs heading into the weekend right here on 98.7. As always, check me out on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Yankees having an adventure right now out in the Bronx. They trail the Rays 4-0 in the top of the fourth. Aaron Hicks is having an adventure in and of himself just in this inning alone. Dropped the fly ball that he thought was foul, but it wasn't, and that led to some runs. Then he misplays one in left field, which got over his head and up against the wall. So things crumbling right now, and Frankie Montas, unfortunately, is the one who's getting tagged. And not for nothing, you can blame Hicks all you want, and Hicks isn't good. All right, and, and you know, let's not forget, that was also a Cashman move. Had to trade for him, had to sign him, all those things, the ridiculously long contract. Hicks has been an awful Yankee awful Yankee you know years from now he should be included with every other bad Yankee that has come along the way in recent years whether it's Ellsbury Jacoby Ellsbury at least had a couple of good seasons as a Yankee what the hell has Aaron Hicks done you know he can't get they can't get him out of here soon enough problem is nobody wants him and wants that contract um so four nothing Rays and this is just going to continue you know the spiral here with this Yankee team remember the lead right now four and a half just three in the loss column going into tonight's game, so that could be even further dwindled if things don't turn around. And right now, when you look at the Yankees offensively, what confidence do you have that they're going to be able to engineer some type of a comeback? You know, it's Aaron Judge, leadoff hitter Aaron Judge, by the way, tonight, and really everybody else. So if you're Tampa, why even pitch to Judge? I'd put him on base, even if the bases were loaded right now, because nobody else in this lineup is going to scare you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, As far as the Mets are concerned, they got off to a little bit of a slow start tonight behind David Peterson, didn't have it. But they've uh, mounted a rally here. Pete Alonso connecting on a two-run homer. So they trail the Marlins 4-3 in the top of the seventh in Miami. And the Mets have the bases loaded with just one out with Lindor coming to the plate. And the Fish are going to go to the bullpen here to see if they can wiggle their way out of it. So Mets with a little bit more signs of life than the Yankees have right now. And we'll keep you up to date on both of those. Let's get into some NFL like we've been doing for most of the evening on this football Friday. We did a lot on the Jets, a lot of the Giants. We even did a lot on the Tennessee Titans earlier, who the Giants are going to see on Sunday. So everything you need to know, you've already been told here as far as the two locals are concerned. As far as the rest of the league in the week number one, we'll go through these games real quick, and then we'll get you some picks for week number one. Saints are in Atlanta. Little NFC South showdown there. It is the Jameis Winston-Dennis Allen partnership for the Saints. They will take on a Falcons team, which is probably going to be in for a real long season. Marcus Mariota now at the helm with Matt Ryan having moved on to Indianapolis. I said it last night, Saints are my pick to win the NFC South. That roster is very Very good from top to bottom. I know you have questions about Winston and Andy Dalton as a backup, even Dennis Allen as a head coach, but that Saints roster is very good. I don't think he'll have many problems there on Sunday. San Francisco with Trey Lance go into Chicago to take on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Bears are a horrible football team this year. Don't let all this other stuff fool you. They will not be good. They'll be one of the four worst teams in the sport. San Francisco, it's Trey Lance's show now. But if and when 
Does Jimmy Garoppolo get called upon if the quarterback struggles? Because this is a Niners team that they feel is good enough to once again make a deep charge into the NFC playoffs. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, you talk about the changing of the guard in the AFC North. For so long, Pittsburgh has been the team to beat. Now, all of a sudden, it's Cincinnati who is coming off of a trip to the Super Bowl and has almost established themselves as the team to beat in that division, while Pittsburgh is now transitioning from Big Ben, and it's now Mitchell Trubisky's show albeit temporarily, because I think the kid Kenny Pickett is going to be the quarterback, maybe even as soon as when the Jets play them in a few weeks. But eventually, they're going to turn the reins over to Pickett. And you know Tomlin's always going to put a good team out there on the field. He's never had a losing record in all his seasons as a head coach. Philly and Detroit should be an interesting game. Philly, I think, is good. I think Philly's the team to beat in the NFC East, making that improbable playoff run a year ago. Let's see what they do for an encore. Certainly upgraded with A.J. Brown at wide receiver. Uh, some interesting pieces on defense, whether it's N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, the kids from Georgia, like what the Eagles are. Meantime, for the Lions, you know, a lot of people are kind of jumping on that bandwagon. I don't know if it's because of hard knocks, I don't know if they think, well, it's the Lions and they just can't keep losing forever. I don't know what it is. But to be quite honest with you, I, I can't get behind this team just yet. I'm not a Jared Goff guy. But the folks in Detroit are excited. They actually sold out the game. I think this is the first game that they've sold out non-Thanksgiving since 2017. I think I was reading something like that. Um for the Lions. So we'll see. They're excited and they get the Eagles there in week number one. Patriots Dolphins week one showdown in the AFC East. This is a very, very intriguing game. Will everybody in Patriot land, will their worst fears come true given the fact that this offense has looked dreadful all offseason long, into training camp, into the preseason. Bill Belichick almost kind of trying to make excuses for how poorly they've played. Now Matt Patricia is the play caller. You know, now we get to see it with our own two eyes. Now remember, New England lost last year week one to the Dolphins and Foxborough still managed to have a good season. But this could be a little bit different with them. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Patriots, least talented team in the AFC East on paper. They get a Dolphins team, which made the big Tyreek Hill splash in the offseason. Mike McDaniel, the first-year head coach. And now all the pressure is on Tua Tungavailoa's shoulder. I think the Dolphins play well in this game. We'll see what happens. And historically, New England has not fared well down in Miami, even when Brady was down there for all those years. You know about the Jets and the Ravens. How about Jacksonville and Washington? Um, Washington has a new name. They got a new quarterback in Carson Wentz, new uniforms. Jacksonville, they got a new coach in Doug Peterson trying to rid themselves of the Urban Meyer disaster. They spent a lot of money in the offseason. I think it's a winnable game for the Jaguars. I am not a Carson Wentz backer in any way, shape, or form. Washington has a good defense, but it's really hard to get behind that organization in any, any facet of what they do. So who knows which way that one is going to go. I think both teams are going to be in certainly for a long year. Cleveland, Carolina, Baker Mayfield, the revenge tour. Taking on his old team in the Browns. They're going to have Jacoby Brissett, or Jacoby Brissett piloting the team. And, of course, Baker there with the Carolina Panthers. New team, new opportunity. Remember, he's playing for a job. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I got a feeling Baker and his guys are going to get the better of the Brownies at home in week number one. Indianapolis, Houston. The Colts have destroyed the Texans over the last couple of years. They want to start off on the right foot here. Matt Ryan. 
taken over from Carson Wentz there at the quarterback position. Indianapolis completely choked away a playoff uh, spot last year down the stretch, one of the reasons why they have a new quarterback. Houston, it's Lovey Smith's team now. Davis Mills is still the quarterback. I still think the Colts are a much better football team, and you expect them to roll in week number one. Giants-Tennessee, we talked about that. How about Green Bay and Minnesota? Good one out of the NFC North. Minnesota, more people are jumping on that bandwagon than I really ever envisioned would be the case. I'm not there just yet. Um, I am not a Kirk Cousins guy. I know that they've made some changes. Apparently, things were so bad under Mike Zimmer that they're just chalking it up as addition by subtraction that Kevin O'Connell, even though he's a first-year coach and the new GM, are going to breathe you know, a new lease on life into that organization. You know they got weapons. Dalvin Cook is a top runner. Jefferson, a top wide receiver. You throw Thielen into the mix. You know The Vikings should be able to score some points. Are they going to be able to stop folks? That is going to be the key. And for Green Bay, hey, you know what last year meant, how it ended, left the sour taste once again. Rodgers is back from the Hiawaska and the Peru trip, and he's gunning for a third consecutive MVP and maybe trying to finish this thing off with a trip to the Super Bowl. Kansas City and Arizona, expect a lot of points in that one. Chiefs, boy, people are writing the Chiefs off left and right. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you almost forget, just because Tyreek Hill is in Miami, you forget that they have Patrick Mahomes. You forget that they still have Travis Kelsey. Here's a sleeper name for you, folks. Here is a sleeper name, okay? For your fantasy teams, if you still haven't done your drafts yet and this and that, Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, running back, Kansas City Chiefs, seventh rounder out of Rutgers. The guy has had a phenomenal camp. He has turned heads. You put him in that system with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes and all his buddies, Pacheco will be making plays this year in that Kansas City offense. Mark my words. I think they get it done on Sunday because Arizona – I know I picked Arizona to make the playoffs as a wild card by default because the NFC is just not deep with quality teams. Can't trust Arizona, and Arizona is a little bit more banged up going into this game too than the Chiefs are. Vegas in L.A. to take on the Chargers. AFC West is going to be a murderous division this year. It is the toughest division in the NFL. You could finish in last place and still have a winning record and not make the playoffs. That is how good it is. Hey, all eyes are on the Chargers this year. Are they not? This is a team that, you know, Justin Herbert, everybody has on Mount Rushmore already. Guy's thrown for the most yards, most touchdowns in his first two years of his NFL career, but still no playoffs. Now is the time you have to finally pay it off. They've made this roster better, especially on defense. The offensive line is rock solid. He's got weapons galore. If the Chargers don't make the playoffs this year, something has got to change. And maybe it's, you know, at Brandon Staley's expense. Mr. Let's go for it on fourth down in our own territory and all these things, you know, trying to revolutionize the game. Start winning games, then you can reinvent the wheel after that. Sunday night game, Tampa and Dallas. Tom will be there. Giselle probably won't. But that's the important part, number 12. I know that he had an interrupted training camp. Don't know if he maybe is in the same mind space. Remember, the old saying from Bill Parcells, once you're thinking about retiring, you're already retired. Brady was retired at one point this offseason. I just have a feeling the Bucks. not everything is going to go swimmingly for them this year. They're going to take a little bit of a step back. Dallas, if it could go wrong, it will go wrong. They're still a talented football team, but I just think this is a tough spot for them week number one, Sunday night. Uh, I think the Bucks will get it done. And then Monday night, it's Russell Wilson against his old buddies in Seattle. Monday night football. Schedule makers have a sense of humor. 
This should be pretty attractive, though. Let's see where Russell's emotions are. You know he's going to get a big ovation when that game begins. Denver's a better football team. And in case you missed it last night, Denver is my quote-unquote surprise team this year. I think they make it as a wild card in the AFC. Russell Wilson makes that much of a difference. He's a top-five quarterback in this sport. Seattle, on the other hand, his old buddies, they are not a top-five anything. They are a bottom-five team. They are clearly playing for the future. They are clearly playing for draft positioning and drafting their next Russell Wilson in 2023. That's why you have Geno Smith and Drew Locke as your quarterbacks because you're not going to win a lot of games. That is the week one matchups. Cannot wait to finally get this thing going coming up here on Sunday. I already tipped my hand a little bit when we were going through some of the games, but when we come back, we will give you the first official pick installment here on the Football Friday. NFL Picks when we return. Dan Grosser Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. All right, football fans, sign up for Cover 5. It's a free-to-play pick'em game for season-long fun and compete against your friends, your rivals, and your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season will win $1,000. Weekly prizes of $100 will also be awarded. Join the 98.7 ESPN League with code NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. It's as easy as one, two, free. Visit ESPNNewYork.com for full contest rules. I signed up today. The picks are there. The picks are in. So if I could do it, you could do it. Make sure you get that done before uh, kickoff on Sunday. You already missed last night. But you don't have to pick last night's game. You still could pick five from Sunday or Monday. It's all good. So make that happen. And the reason I remind you about that, because it is that time. That is right. For the first time, our first football Friday together here on the Dan Grounds' show. It is that time for the week one NFL picks. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. You hear that music. 
Do you hear it? Can you feel it? I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Oh, Sunday can't get here soon enough. All right, I'll give you five picks. Same five that I put in the Cover 5 app. You can join the league and check yourself. Game number one, stay in the AFC East. What do you say? Dolphins, Patriots in Miami. I pretty much broke this game down a few minutes ago when I was going around the league. I'm down on the Patriots. I think the Patriots are finishing in last place this year in the AFC East. Dolphins, I'm not entirely sold on them, but I think they're going to have a good afternoon here. Line isn't too crazy. You know, maybe actually get Dolphin fans to come watch the team. Supposedly they're excited about Tyreek Hill and so on and so forth. It's only two and a half. I don't think that's too much to ask. Give me the Dolphins minus two and a half. That is pick number one. They'll win that game outright over the New England Patriots. Game number two. Let's go down to Carolina. Browns, Panthers, Baker versus his old team. You know what Baker allegedly did or didn't tell Cynthia Freeland he wanted to do to his old team? Well, I think it's going to happen. And the Panthers are getting points in this game. I guess the boys in Vegas didn't realize that Deshaun Watson was a bad boy. And he's not going to be playing for the first 11 games. Jacoby Brissett is not going on the road and winning a game in week number one against the guy who would love nothing more than to rip the heart and the soul out of that Browns organization. That being said, you're giving me three and a half points? A home dog? I understand that Carolina isn't exactly, you know, world beaters. But if you're giving me a field goal in my home stadium, week number one, remember the Panthers started 3-0 last year, and look where it got them. So what happens in week one isn't a true indicator of the season, but I'll take these points gladly. Give me Carolina plus 3.5 to take care of the Browns in week number one. Game three. Let's go out to the desert. Kansas City, Arizona. I don't know how you can sleep on the Chiefs. I don't know how you can sleep on Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, remember he's like the best coach in the history of the NFL, like when playing off of a bye week and having an extra week to prepare for an opponent? Well, he's had six months to prepare for this game. Arizona, I am not a Cliff Kingsbury guy. I'm not a Kyler Murray guy. Now he's got his money. Arizona usually collapses late in the season. They usually start off okay. But this is a wrong opponent for them to begin the year with. Two and a half points, that's nothing. I'll take that gladly with the road team, with the Chiefs. They'll go into the desert and win outright, minus two and a half. That's game number three. Game number four will go Sunday night. Tampa Bay, Dallas, Brady, Dak, Todd Bowles getting another shot at head coaching redemption. I like him personally. I want to see him do well. But now he's got to deal with all this Tom Brady stuff away from the field. Is he playing? Is he not playing? Does he want to be there? Does he not want to be there? Is he going to have to leave the team at some point during the season? You know, blah, 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 blah. Dealing with injuries to the offensive line already. But it is the Cowboys. And usually in these situations, spectacle games, Sunday night, week one, doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. And I'm really going to bet against Tom Brady. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how much time he missed. I don't care that he was retired during the offseason. Give me Tom, give me the Bucks, and give me minus two into Dallas. They'll win this game on Sunday night to kick off the season. And lastly, lastly, 
I didn't know if I would take one of the local teams, but I saw a number that actually appealed to me. So I'm going to stick with it. And we're going to the Music City. That's right. We're going to Nashville. You ever been to Nashville? I haven't. I hear it's a great city. Got have a lot of fun in Nashville. Also getting into a lot of trouble, too, if you don't watch yourself. But which team is going to get into trouble on Sunday? Will it be the Giants? Will it be the Titans? I think the Titans are a good team. I don't think they're going to win that division, though. I think Indianapolis will. And they get Derrick Henry back. He is that offense. He is that franchise. He is what makes them go. Giants, Dayball, Shane, Barkley, Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, Evan Neal. Notice how I didn't say Kayvon Thibodeau or Oziz Agilari. Yeah, because they're probably not going to play. And that's going to be a big absence felt in this game. I really and truly believe it. And then the more and more I think about the ways the Giants are going to have to sell out to try to stop that Tennessee offense and stop that ground game, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. And this one could get ugly. I don't think the Giants are going to be as bad as people think they're going to be. I actually think they'll surprise at times this year as they try to implement this program that Brian Dable is trying to instill. I just don't love the matchup in week number one, to be honest with you. It's a lot of points, more than I would want to. But Ryan Tannehill has something to prove as well. And I think the Giants are kind of walking into a buzzsaw in Nashville on Sunday. So I'll take the Tennessee Titans, and I'll lay the six and a half. Give me the Titans minus six and a half in week number one to win this one probably by double digits over the Giants. Giants got some winnable games in the first 10 weeks. We told you last night this isn't one of them. So to recap, Miami minus two and a half over New England. Carolina plus three and a half against Cleveland. Tennessee minus six and a half against the Giants. KC minus two and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. And the Bucks minus two to take care of the Dallas Cowboys. That is the Dan Grassa week one picks for the 2022 NFL season. Tom is writing these down, by the way. So, like, we're gonna, I'm going to be held against it. You know, I'm, we're going to keep score. We're going to keep track. If I do good, if I'm going to do bad, we're going to be accountable. That's what we do on this show. Now, when we come back, we're going to switch gears and go to some baseball because it's not anything about on-the-field matters. It is off-the-field because the powers that be, the Major League Baseball, have voted in some rule changes that you were going to see on the field beginning in 2023. We'll tell you what those are, and we'll tell you if we like them or we don't like them. Dan Grasser Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. That is the telephone number. Taking it till the top of the hour, then Anita will take over with the weekend wager for the rest of the evening. Uh, Mets got it to within one, and then uh, the Fish just tacked on a two-run jack off of Joely Rodriguez to make it 6-3 to three in the bottom of the eighth. So things not looking good for the Amazons tonight. As far as the Yankees are concerned, nothing is looking good. Uh, it's 4 nothing Tampa, and we told you about the Aaron Hicks debacle uh, in that previous inning. Boone got him out of the game um, when they came into the dugout for the uh, the next half inning. He, he put Florial out there, uh, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, I, when I saw a replay of it, because this is an Amazon vehicle tonight, um, you know, Hicks with that one that he was chasing over towards the wall there in left field, and, and when he dropped it, he didn't even react to pick up the ball because he thought it was a foul ball. Meantime, he got the guys on Tampa running around the bases, scoring runs, and then before Hicks realizes it, it was too late. A couple of runs had come home, and, you know, the fans are yelling out there in, in, in left field, and they even had a Joey Gallo chant that they started, uh, you know, in, at the expense of Hicks. It is just so bad, and, I, I mean, I wish I could sit here and, and, and spin it another different way. But Aaron Hicks has been terrible, absolutely terrible as a Yankee. And that was a guy that Cashman loved, loved, thought that he fit the analytics and everything that they wanted to do from when they saw him as a a little used guy there in Minnesota. And um, not to make things worse, but Hicks' contract, he's got almost $11 million next year, almost $10 million in 24, almost $10 million in 25. So if you add that up, it's about $31 million, and then there's a team option in 2026. So he's under contract for three more years after this with the New York Yankees. I, I tweeted this out there. You may agree. You may disagree. I, I really don't care one way or the other. Jacoby Ellsbury was a better Yankee than, than Aaron Hicks, and I know that that is not saying a lot, but the fact that Aaron Hicks has just been here for all this time and still has years left on the contract and still has not put it together. The guy's batting 230 as a Yankee. And just now with these lapses in the field and the injuries and the this, and I mean, think about that. It's not like Jacoby Ellsbury is a lofty standard. But Jacoby Ellsbury at least had a couple of good seasons as a Yankee before everything went to you-know-what and he couldn't take the field anymore and so on and so forth. It is just, I, I mean, bad, bad. And, I mean, Boone's just doing him a favor. You know, Boone is throwing him a lifeline, getting him the hell out of the game. Normally you see that in Little League. You know, when the kid gives up a couple of runs and everybody's laughing at him or he makes an error and people are laughing at him and, and that type of stuff, and he goes back to the dugout crying, and then they say, oh, just sit there, it's okay. That's, what, that's, that's Little League stuff, and that's how they're treating Aaron Hicks. That's how bad things have gotten for him in left field. Anyway, as far as the baseball's concerned, there is going to be – Rule changes for next year. And it's not exactly breaking news because if you had followed the way this thing had been trending, you kind of figure that this was eventually going to be a reality. It's a couple of these things have been kind of tinkered with in the minor leagues for the last couple of years. So it's really nothing completely unfound. Compe- Tom, the, uh, the competition committee, they got together today and they voted on these rule changes and it's going to happen. 
uh, for next year. First and foremost, the shift. Shift has been a hot-button topic for the last several seasons. All right? Either love it or you hate it. There's defenders of the shift. Uh, others despise it. One thing I'll acknowledge, you can't tell me that the shift has not impacted the way the game has been played. And what I mean by that is you talk about the decline in offense, you know, less balls put in play and that type of thing. The shift is responsible for it. Now, whether or not you feel that Major League Baseball should outright it and say that or outlaw it, I should say, and then not even be able to have it implemented any longer. You know, others are of the mindset of, well, you know what? These are major league hitters. They should be able to go against the shift. And they should be able to find some holes through the shift. They're big league hitters. Why not? But the way the new rule is going to be applied, four infielders have to be on the dirt. Two of them have to be on each side of second base. Players can move immediately when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. So if they do want to kind of like shade one of the guys over to one side of the of the infield, he can make a mad dash as soon as the ball is thrown. Okay, no guarantee he's going to get there. The league-wide batting average this year, just to give you some numbers for context, league-wide batting average is 243. Okay, league-wide. That is the lowest since 1968. It's a long time. It's a lack of base hits. How many, like when you're watching a game on TV, how many balls come off the bat, right? And you think, oh, that's a base hit. But it's not because the other team is playing the shift. And they got in position. It's more affecting to um, left-handed hitters more so than righties. But it still is an impact. The last four years in Major League Baseball, starting in 2019, 19, 20, 21, 22, those are the four lowest years of singles, base hits, singles per team. And usually that's what is most affected by the shift. You're preventing base hits. Can't do anything about a, you know, a, a two-base hit, extra base hit that's into the outfield. These are more just about ground balls through the infield. So the four lowest years. More hits will equal more base runners will equal more action. And I don't think anybody who's a baseball fan, I don't care if you are old school, new school, combination of the two, I don't think anybody could sit here and tell you that more action is not good for the game. Because I think the predominant thought to try to engage new fans is that baseball is boring. Now, here's the tricky part, and this is where it gets a little goofy. Well, you say, well, what happens if somebody is in a shift? How are they going to get penalized? Well, the penalty is going to be enforced by a ball on the hitter's count. So a hitter's going to go up there and basically get an extra uh, a ball to play within the count. And the manager can accept the penalty like a football coach can. Either accept it or deny it. This is where I don't necessarily agree. And teams, of course, can challenge because you can challenge everything, it seems like, nowadays. So these are all designed to speed up the game increase the action, all those things. But when you start to deal with little machinations like this, and then you're implementing a ball or a penalty, it's too much stuff to keep track of, right? Like, if you're a baseball fan, you know the game of baseball. You've known it your whole life. You've known it your whole life one way. 
when you start incorporating all these other goofy things and these different rules and things you have to get schooled up on, then it's not baseball anymore. It becomes something else. We can come up with our own name for it. I don't know what name that is, but, you know, just think of a sport, and you can call it whatever the hell you want. The other one is the pitch clock. Speed the game up, move it along. I have no problem with this. And the way it's going to go is pitcher's going to get 15 seconds when you have nobody on base to throw the ball. When there's a runner on base, 20 seconds. Here's what makes it imperfect, though. If a pitcher is in violation of this, the pitcher is charged with a ball. If the batter is not in the batter's box and he is holding up the game, he's charged with a strike. My question is this, and this is where you're taking some of the strategy out of the game. How do you hold runners on base? Right? And I understand, like, you know, you're watching a game and you get frustrated about, you know, how many times is the pitcher going to throw over to first base? Like, you know, five times in a row, it slows down the game, fans at the game start to boo. I get all those things. But it's still a critical element of the game. And I want the running game to exist and to maybe be a little bit more present in baseball as much as anybody because I think it's exciting. But how do you hold runners on base and how is it fair to them? Well, how about this? There's these things called disengagements. That's what baseball is is referring to them as. Like a pickoff throw is a quote-unquote disengagement. And that's also considered when you step off the mound, when you fake the throw to first base, and you're allowed two of these per at-bat. So think about that for a second. This could be like Game 7 of the World Series, ninth inning. You got the potential winning run at first base. You don't want him to score. You sure as hell don't want him to get the second base to get in scoring position to where a base hit then beats you. And so you're going to look over. You're going to throw there. You're going to keep them checked. You're only allowed two of them per at-bat. If you throw over a third time or if you step off, which would warrant a third disengagement, they call that a balk on the pitcher. I mean... This is where it gets goofy. Does it not? I know it delays the game. You want more action on the base paths. I get all that stuff. But there is a strategic element to this whole thing. And so if we're now going to put, like, the exact number of times that a pitcher could throw over to first base, how is that fair? Like, you're taking the strategy out of it. Compare it to another sport, like what you can or cannot do as a football coach. Like, can you imagine if you're not allowed to blitz if you're not allowed to over, over, overstock one side of the line of scrimmage and send a bunch of guys, you know, from the right side, if you have to have it, like, equally distributed or whatever from a defense, something like that. I just, I mean, I want the games to be faster. I want the games to be played more crisp. I want the running game to be a greater element in baseball. All of those things. But with all this stupid, goofy penalties, balls, strikes, uh, you know, accepting the penalties by the managers, what are we doing? What are we doing? A lot of ways you just want to say to them, you know what, if you don't like it, then maybe you're not a baseball fan. Then don't watch baseball. Maybe this isn't the game for you. And that's fine. If it's not, it's not. Lastly, they're going to have bigger bases. Bases are going to expand from 15 inches to 18 inches. Will that lead to more steals? Hopefully. I don't quite get that one, to be honest with you. I think that's just trying too hard. But as I said, it's imperfect. 
I don't know how you feel about these rule changes. I don't feel if you I don't know if you feel necessarily that this is what baseball needs. But I just think we're going too far down another road that we haven't gone down in a very long time. When were the last time there were rule changes in baseball? Not counting instant replay, right? And think about instant replay. That thing has been around now for, what, at least 10 years in some way, shape, or form? And if you ask me, it's still an imperfect system. Because when plays are being challenged and they send it back to New York for a review... They're looking at the same thing we're looking at on replay, and you could think it's as clear as day what the ruling should be with your own set of eyes, but the yo-yos in New York tell you something completely different. So that still is something that hasn't been fine-tuned, if you ask me, in all these years that we've had it. And now you're going to have new rules and all these different things that folks are still trying to get acclimated to? What is that process going to be like? 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Subi's in Midtown. He's up next, Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Subi, how are you? You know, Dan, what bothers me about these rules changing is it's all the um, brain of Theo Epstein. And you know, Theo Epstein, you know, he won the Cubs of World Series and everything, but he's getting too much credit for a lot of things like that. And then these new rules are all his brain. And why don't... Why don't they just think about the robo uh, umps from day one with the strikes? That's what slows down the games. When all, when they're always missing calls and the game is decided by these umpires who have big egos, why don't they just have everything cameraized? Why, why are they doing halfway? That's what I don't understand. And these umpires, um, you know, they're human, so I don't really blame them. It's just the game slows down when, like, the, uh, um, uh, when the managers have to come out of the ball, uh, when the, of the dugout and everything. Why don't they just have everything computerized so that it's a set standard? That's all i got to say. Well, Subi, thanks for the call. I don't mind the human element. And remember, they also put in the three-batter minimum rule to minimize some of these pitching changes, which, again, does take the strategy out of the game. But has it really made the game all that faster? No, because we're still trying to find ways to speed it up. Look, I think the pitch clock is going to help. Pitch clock, I think, will be a bonus because it'll force the batters because the batters are just as guilty as the pitchers are. Batters spend way too much time in between pitches. Like, the guy will not even take the bat off his shoulders, right? Pitch comes down the middle, doesn't even swing at it. Yet he's got to step out of the batter's box. He's got to redo his batting gloves. He's got to redo his wristbands. He's got to take his helmet off and and make sure it's fit properly on his head. Why, dude? You didn't even swing the bat. But then by the time he gets in the batter's box and the next pitch is thrown, you're probably talking about 30 seconds. Go back, like, go down a YouTube rabbit hole later tonight. You don't even have to go, like, that far back. I mean, if you want to go back to, like, the 60s or anything like that, I mean, you can. But, I mean, go back to, like, the 80s. The Guys never, they, they maybe took one foot out of the batter's box in between pitches. But they didn't go, like, straying, like, 50 feet from the plate like guys do now. And then really back in the day, they didn't move from the batter's box. And I, I, I think it's dangerous to sit there and make the correlation between how much faster minor league games are as opposed to you know what they hope to now translate over to the major leagues. Because remember about the minor leagues, those games aren't televised. Those games aren't televised. So there's going to be more pauses, more interruptions on, in major league games because you have advertising to sell. So every time there's like a pitching change and whatnot, they're going to have to go to a commercial break, two minutes and, and whatever it is. You know, minor league, there'll be a stoppage, but is it going to be as long as what they do in the major league game? So unless you're willing to shorten commercial times, 
that would also be a way to speed up the game. But do you really think deep down that Major League Baseball, the teams, the owners, everybody is going to shorten commercial time? No, because more advertising means more money. It means more money. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll come back, close it out with you guys on the phones, your thoughts on this. People want to get in. We'll also give you an update on what's happening out there at the Tennis Center with this men's semifinals. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, on this Friday. A few more minutes, then we'll hand it over to Anita. She's got the weekend wager for you coming up next. Met game is done down in Miami, and they stink up the joint tonight. 6-3, they get doubled up by the Marlins. A Marlins team, like I said, which couldn't hit their way out of a brown paper bag pretty much for the last two weeks. All of a sudden, they put six up on the Mets. Boy, Max Scherzer, I, don't, I mean, is there any way he could pitch lefty? Is there? Is there any way he can pitch left-handed? I guess when he throws, you know, that left side, he has that fatigue. So if he pitches lefty, is he going to feel it the same? Because the Braves are out to a 2-0 lead already in the top of the first uh, in Seattle. Dansby Swanson with a two-run home run for the Bravos. So there's a better-than-good chance that the Mets are going to go to sleep tonight in second place when the Braves uh, leapfrog them and they're going to have a half-game edge in the division but it's inexcusable I mean we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks it is absolutely inexcusable the way this team has been playing I said going into this 13 game stretch that began I'm not even including Washington which they lost two out of three over the weekend not even including that I'm just starting with Pittsburgh this week they had a 13 game stretch three in Pittsburgh three in Miami three against the Cubs and four against the Pirates again at home out of those 13 games, I said they had to go no worse than 9-4. and four. Remember, you got the Braves on their heels. The Braves never lose. That's why 9-4, and four, A, is not unrealistic against bad teams like that, and 2, it necessitates it when you consider how good the Braves have been. So right now, 9-4, and four, they are 2-2 two and two to start that 13-game stretch. 
Are they going to go 7-2 and two over the last nine games? They sure as hell don't inspire a lot of confidence, do they? Especially when you have Dave Peterson performances like you have tonight. Robert in Manhattan up next, 98.7 ESPN. Robert, how are you? Hey, good evening, Dan. Thanks, by the way. It's great to have football. I've missed oh, it since February. It was Rob, like... <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. And incidentally, I don't know if you've noticed the Sunday schedule here in New York. Both Fox and CBS are doing two games each. Yes. Remember how it used to be when one was away and one was at home, uh, at home and they uh, you, you wouldn't get two 4.30 games? Or, well, there's two 4.30 games and two 1 o'clock games. I Sunday. think that's a week one special. They're giving you a little bit of a treat oh. for week one. And you know what? Nobody's complaining, though. Oh, I'm not. That's for sure. Yep. Let me tell you something, Dan. You said it correctly. The reason that Atlanta is going to win the NL East, the Mets cannot beat bottom feeders, and Atlanta doesn't lose. Look what they did. They went into Houston a few weeks ago. They took two out of three. Then they go into Miami. They swept them. Late. They don't lose to bottom feeders, and that's where it's going to count. And I'll tell you something. I love all the prognosticators. All the Nostradamus is back in July. Oh, when the Mets took four out of five from Atlanta, we buried Atlanta. Yeah, right, folks. You buried them. And they're going to pass you by with a, and, and leave you standing still at the post. Sorry, folks. It's not good, Bob. Uh, it's not good, Bob. Not good at all. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. it, it Mets need to shape up. Need to shape up somehow, some way. It's just, it's, it's incredible. You think they finally snapped out of it, maybe like in the Pittsburgh game with those two wins and the doubleheader, and you're like, all right, now they're back to normal. Nope. Robin Mass, let's close out with him tonight, 98.7 ESPN. Robbie, how are you? Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call. You know, I didn't want to turn on the game tonight, especially when I see what the score is now. But I have to tell you something. Can you explain to me who the imbecile is that batted Judge first and batted oh. kind of for left and forth? Are we living in the bizarre world? Should Mickey Rivers bat fourth and Reggie bat first? I mean, have we taken this analytics just way too far? I want to know why in the world would a guy with three generations of baseball, Aaron Boone, be that stupid? How about batting kind of for left of first, put Peraza up second, then bat Judge third? What is Judge supposed to do? Bat in a bunch of ants that are sitting in front of the plate? I mean, with 195 Kyle Agashioka hitting behind him? I mean, what the hell? We have taken baseball into the bizarre world, honestly, Dan. And I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I don't know who I hate more, Cashman or Boone, because if Boone is allowing Cashman in this analytics department to make decisions like this, not giving it any autonomy, to put an actual real Major League Baseball roster together, which they don't have right now, so it's not Boone's fault. But can't you at least back judge it behind some guys with some speed at the top of the lineup? What's the point of a guy hitting 55 home runs when nobody's batting behind him? So, and that's what bothers me so much about this team is just that it's the whole makeup of the lineup. And what, I don't understand these lineups that are different every night in baseball. And, I, and the rule changes are ridiculous. You know what? You were talking about Bill James last night with me. Yeah. Why can't they just leave baseball alone and go back to playing a spontaneous, extemporaneous game where guys make fielding plays where the ball doesn't go into the outfield where it's smashed into the outfield and the second baseman is standing in the outfield? I mean, let's, can't we just go back to regular baseball? And if you don't like it, if it's nobody complains about golf being methodical, okay, Dan, nobody does. So why can't baseball be a methodical, it Robbie, is a methodical Robbie, game? You know? Rob, anyway, I hear you. And I got to let I you go, but I thank you for the phone call. We're running out of time tonight. I appreciate you checking in as always. It, it's Look, I give Boone somewhat of a pass because he's got nobody else in that lineup. Everybody's injured. 
but you can't bat judge leadoff. It's not like the guys at the bottom of the order are giving you any sort of lift before they come back up around the plate again to judge. It means nothing. That's all the time for us. Thanks to Greg Buttle. Thanks to Teron Davenport for hopping on. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to Julian. Thanks to everybody. Enjoy football. I'll talk to you 11 a.m. from MetLife Stadium with Jet pregame. Anita's next, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long on 98.7 ESPN.